We've got the latest on Matthew Stafford. Who will be the Rams starting quarterback against Green Bay? And what are their playoff chances right now? That's coming up next here on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your Los Angeles Rams, free and available wherever your podcast, Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to Locked On Rams YouTube channel. Trying to get to 10,000 subscribers to join that party. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. If you want to support the channel, hit that like button and let us know. What do you think needs to be next for Los Angeles Rams? What should they do at the quarterback position? Do you think they'll make the playoffs? We want all your Rams takes down below. My name is Doug McKay. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade. Sports Illustrated. 24-7 Sports, Dodgers Nation. Now the Rams for Locked On. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio station, ESPN 710 LA. He's in his eighth season covering your Los Angeles Rams, the people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers. You can follow him on X at Travis Rogers. And on today's show, we're going to talk about what is next for the Rams after their beat down in Dallas, what do they do at the quarterback position? What went wrong? First things first, Travis, we have to talk about Matthew Stafford. He was sure. banged up. He was bruised. He did not finish the game. He ended up going 13 for 20 to 160 yards and one touchdown. The big question now, though, before we get into the update is... When did he suffer this injury? Of course, he hit it on the Cowboys player's helmet there in the first half after the failed two-point conversion, and then he ends up re-aggravating it on the successful two-point attempt on the Philly special. My first question, Travis, is if you have a quarterback who's injured, a quarterback <laughs> who's running and scrambling for his life all day, how do you run that play on a two-point conversion attempt when you're down 18 points in that situation? Yeah, I think that was just desperation mode, right? That's probably their best two-point play, or at least the one that they thought would work best under the circumstance. And, you know, if 2-2 doesn't short-arm that throw, and I get it, Micah Parsons is coming in there with bad intentions, getting ready to make something happen. I, I understand why you'd be a little tentative in that spot, but uh, I, I think it was the result of a bad throw more than anything else. It's not like Stafford got hit. It was just underthrown, and he kind of stumbled into the end zone uh, for that two-point conversion. But I, I just think you're starting to see, unfortunately, what this team is if the quarterback is something less than great because he wasn't very good yesterday, right? We saw the terrible pick six. Uh, we saw some other, you know, just stuff that just didn't look particularly good. We saw him take a couple of hits along the way. This team is their margins, as we said a million times. The everydayers are, are probably sick and tired of hearing about this by now. Their margins are razor thin. And if Matthew Stafford is hurt or having a bad day, they're not razor thin. They're non-existent. And you, and, and you get what you get, which is you got absolutely run over by a pretty good Cowboy team. Yeah, we've seen in recent weeks that Stafford, we know he can make the big throws, the elite throws at times, but it's also some of those back-breaking interceptions. We're going to talk about the pick in the first half that led to six points for yeah. the Cowboys. But I think just in general, what we're seeing with Matthew Stafford is this is a guy that can't function with a below average offensive line, right? There's no mobility there. He's been banged up. And I think at that play, yeah, it's, 
first year to, to Atwell, not the greatest throw. You're desperate in that situation. You want to make something of that game. But, I mean, if you catch that clean, there's a defender there. It could have been even worse. So it's a little bit of a head scratch. I think it's kind of fair to criticize that play calling there. But we do have an update, Travis, on where he's at heading into next week. Ian Rappaport, he tweeted out just now, my understanding is x-rays are negative. So unless the CT scanner MRI shows something different, no fracture, but they are looking at a variety of options here for Matthew Stafford. No firm decision, but it does seem like missing next week's game and going forward is something that is in the realm of possibility for the Rams. It is something they're discussing. They're trying to get on a plan going forward. And then Adam Schefter said on ESPN's NFL Live, quote, Matthew Stafford is dealing with a tendon issue in his right thumb that the Rams believe will take a couple of days to figure out whether or not he can come back. Now, Schefter didn't rule out the possibility of Stafford playing against the Packers on Sunday. When asked if he was going to go in that game, he said, we'll see. But with the bye week coming in week 10, him dealing with not just the thumb injury, he's been banged up in recent weeks. It almost seems like all signs are pointing to him not playing in Sunday's game against the Packers. We know he's a war we know he wants to be out there to help his teammates. He's the ultimate competitor. Let's not forget, this is the guy that wants to help this team win next year. They have a lot invested in this guy. Do you really want to throw him out there and risk him getting even more injured and possibly losing him for a longer period of time? I'm not so sure I like that idea. So, Travis, I'm assuming we're hearing more from Sean McVay a little later, but what do you think they need to do moving forward? Because right now, you're looking at Brett Rippon as your starting QB1. Look, if... if if Matthew Stafford's hurt or significantly compromised anyway, it's a wrap. It's over. I mean, we, 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 I, I can, I can sit here and say, Oh, this it's over. That's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, there, there's, there's not much more to add to it than that. You, you go straight from, Hey, listen, win in green Bay, go into the buy, get healthy, find a win, maybe somewhere where you might not expect one. You get to nine wins. You got a chance. That's, that's the best case scenario. But look, here's two things we know for sure. Matthew Stafford is, Tough as you know what. He is a tough, tough quarterback. You have to have a healthy thumb to grip a football. Okay, so if he couldn't do it and he wasn't able to muscle through that pain, I think he kind of know what's coming up next. Whether he can play or not, I think he'll probably we'll see him out there. If it's not broken, I'm sure they'll try to do something with some, you know, some shots and some wraps and some splints and all these things. It's his thumb, right? You, you, you're not going to be able to throw a football without your thumb working at least mostly well. Um, they're they're in. They're in the worst possible situation you can be in, which is that Pittsburgh game. We talked. That was the you win that Pittsburgh game. What's coming up against Green Bay doesn't matter nearly as much. You still have a chance to go in to the break at four and five. You still have a chance to. Now you have to win that game to be four and five. Three and six is a wrap. Matthew Stafford being hurt is a wrap. Everything comes down to what comes up on Sunday, and you're going to have to do it with a quarterback who, at the very best, is injured maybe capable of still playing but dealing with a painful injury yeah and we're going to talk about their playoff chances a little bit i think some interesting conversation there as far as where they go and what's best for this franchise moving forward when it comes to the ultimate goal of winning super bowl championships but i do want to say that i hope that the listeners of the show know that we prepared them for this because we've been talking about this ad nauseum about the possibility of matthew stafford getting banged up because that offensive line not having a competent backup quarterback when i see brett rippon i want him to do two things travis 
hold the clipboard and give his teammates high fives after big play. I do not yeah. want to see him in the game doing anything other than that. And look, it just kind of goes back to you go with Stetson Bennett and you pick Stetson Bennett in the fourth round. And I was pounding my fist, pick any of the guys that I do. I hope they would get before the draft and Levis and DTR and Doug and Aiden O'Connell, Clayton Toot, any of those guys probably in a better spot right now. And, Yes, I wish him well with everything he's dealing with. He's on the non-football injury list. He was placed there for undisclosed personal reasons. But right now, you got a shaky offensive line in front of an injury-prone Matthew Stafford. What did you think was going to ultimately happen is my question. Yeah, it, it, and it's the right question. And and I agree with you. The Bennett pick was kind of a head-scratcher at best. And, and, you know, beyond that, I think that the Rams have not really put a great deal of value in that position. Let's go all the way back, right, to when they first came back here. Case Keenum was their starter, and their backup was Jared Goff, who was the number one overall pick. And then we saw it flip at, at a certain point. I think it was week eight or nine or whatever it is. And, you know, Case Keenum is exactly what you're looking for in an NFL backup, a guy that can play and can play well for stretches of time. Since then, it's been Sean Mannion. It's been Blake Bortles. It's been John Wolford. It's been Bryce Perkins. It's been Brett Rippon. It's been Stetson Bennett. They don't put value in that position. And, and I get it. You know, you only have so many dollars that you can spend. You got to go spend them where you think they're going to have the most impact. But you're right, DMAC. This is a team that is absolutely reliant on number nine behind an offensive line that is probably better than I think we might have thought, but it's still not a great offensive line. It's, it's serviceable for the most part, but he's going to take some shots. And he's hurt, and now you are where you are. You're three and five looking at a must win, and you might have to do it with a backup quarterback. Yeah, I think the question now is, what do you do? Because look, the reality is in the NFC, the seventh team to make it could be one of the worst playoff teams in NFL history with the Vikings losing Kirk Cousins. It's still mm -hmm. going to be wide open. You look mm -hmm. at playing the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, teams like that. So there is a world where if you go two of your next three, you win your next three, you're right back to that 50% playoff chance mark. But I think... You really go and look for a Carson Wentz. You really go out there, get a Colt McCoy. Some of these guys hot up the street. Or do you go with a Brett Ripping? If you do want to be the overachieving team that's making the playoffs, if Stafford has to miss time, Brett Ripping's not going to give you a good chance to win. Look at what they do, not at what they say. And they've been doing it all season long. This, this is not a surprise to people that have watched what they've done. It, it's unfortunate because I think we got duped a little bit, and not in a bad way, but they looks the, the oh, let's go back. The only game that they've played all season long that was legitimately like that looks really good was week one. We know how week one can be super misleading. Seattle turns out it's really good. The Rams are kind of mediocre, maybe struggling to get to mediocre. Since then, Good half against uh, uh, San Francisco. And on the heels of Seattle, you're thinking, hey, this is a pretty good team. Fact of the matter is, since that first half against San Francisco, they're, they haven't played well. They, they really haven't played well at all. They blew a 23 to nothing lead in Indianapolis and escaped by the, the fortune of a coin toss that went their way. Colts get the ball there. Who knows? You could be talking about two and six at this point. You beat an Arizona team that's dreadful, dreadful. You beat them. Other than that, You've lost, and, and, and really, some have been a little more close than others, but this is a team that is set up to be good next year, and it just, we got off to a little bit of a weird start. Fact of the matter is, this was not supposed to be the year. It's not going to be the year, and it just got even more challenging with Matthew Stafford having one thumb. Absolutely. It's a great point, Travis. And honestly, like I always say, reality isn't always rainbows. The reality is they're losing games because they have one of the least talented rosters in the NFL right now. And week one lies, as you point out, to the Seahawks. If they played the Seahawks tomorrow, 
<laughs> it would not look pretty. They right? haven't, you can look they haven't looked like that since the opening week of the season. They, they haven't played two halves much. You know, they, they just that that team that day was really good. We haven't. It's been two months since we've seen that. It, yeah, it, it's been two months. It's been a, a while. A lot of frustrating losses since then. We're going to pick this up in the second segment here. You don't want to miss this. Why the Rams were a disaster in Dallas. We're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about what's next for this team. Where should this franchise go after this? That's coming up next here on Locked on Rams. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Eiler to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or whether you're scouting the wire each week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has has picked out on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Let's go with an SC Trojan. Falcons wide receiver Drake London had a pretty quiet week eight against the Titans secondary as he caught only five passes for 55 yards. But he should be targeted to get on track this upcoming week with a much bigger game against a vulnerable Vikings secondary in week nine. And with potential quarterback change coming to Tyler Heineke, Atlanta should be more effective downfield passing the ball. London could also see a lot of volume in that game. Vinny Eiler from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit same with your vehicle. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride runs smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or dive alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible item eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are off and running here on Locked On Rams. Think of making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to send a special shout out to our everyday listeners. We appreciate you. I saw some of you guys were in Dallas. You were tweeting about the show. We appreciate that. And That's yeah, awesome. definitely join that Every Listeners Club. It's 100% free and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams. By the way, Travis, you mentioned fantasy football. I may or may not have had CeeDee Lamb on my fantasy team yesterday. So, <laughs> <laughs> I want to mention that. Definitely, I was not happy about that at all. I was not happy about any of those hey, catcher look, touchdowns. It's the silver lining in the black cloud. The black cloud was the game. The silver lining is your fantasy team. It's CeeDee Lamb going hand. I was miserable. I was pissed about it. But so, here in a second segment, I want to pick it up what we were talking about as far as this team and the offensive line. Because, look, the reality is the offensive line, the first big reason why they lost yesterday, the offensive line was outright offensive. Rob Havenstein, of course, he missed the game. Stafford was really a sitting duck yesterday. 15 pressures allowed, five QB hits, two sacks. The Rams, if you look at their PFF grades, we know boom, 44.1. Dotson, Coleman Shelton, 43.7. Steve Avila really has worst game as a pro at 34.2. He's a rookie. That's to be expected at times. But really, the, what I really want to point out, though, is that Stafford is kind of forced to get the ball out quickly because he's relying on those pre-snap reads, right? If you look at the pick six right there, he knows the pressure is coming. He knows he has to get the ball out. He guessed wrong. He goes on the out route, on the choice route, and Bland, he runs it back for a pick six. So really the point I'm trying to make is that number as far as the sacks and the hits, it could have been higher if he's not getting the ball out quicker. So just a recipe for disaster for that Rams offensive line of Matthew Stafford yesterday. 
I guess if there's a good thing to come out of yesterday, it's that there were no good things to come out of yesterday, right? They can almost just burn it to the ground and say, whatever, you know, the throw the proverbial throw away the film game. We're not even going to watch it. We're going to move on because you're right. Everything you said about the offensive line was bad. Matthew Stafford was bad. Now there might be extenuating circumstances to why he was bad. Cooper Cup was bad. Puka Nakua was a non-factor. The defense could not get off the field when they needed. Their special teams were bad, right? They had a punt blocked along the way. Maybe Lucas Haversick knocking in a couple of uh, field goals is a good thing. So I guess there's another silver lining there, but it, you're right. Look, the margins are small. They were non-existent yesterday. And when you, you heard Sean McVay after the game talk about it, once that that tidal wave of bad play started, there was no getting out from underneath it. It was just it was just too much. And certainly, you know, we could talk about Dallas a little bit. I guess Dallas is pretty good. I don't know if they're on the level with the the Eagles and maybe the the Niners and the Lions, but that's a good team. And you give them some extra chance. You get them going downhill. You're not going to find a way to do that. So it got off bad. It started bad. Bad call against the Rams. Two bad calls against the Rams. But just everything about yesterday was a you-know-what. And I, I I guess if there's something about it, you flush it and you keep it moving. It was ugly. And by the way, I see people hating on Matthew Stafford out there for his decision-making on the pick six and pointing out the fact that he's second all-time with 30 pick sixes right behind Brett Favre, who has 32. I do want to say, though, look at that list. Brett Favre, Stafford, Dan Marino, Joe Namath, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning. Do you want to have a legendary career? Throw a ton of pick sixes. You might have been in the Hall of Fame one day. Because you're taking shots, right? The yeah. only time it's a pick six is when you're throwing that out and, and a guy steps in front of it. And look, I'll go back to what we said about TJ. What those other guys get paid too, you know. It, it, this this was not one of those. Don't get me wrong. That throw that Stafford made was an F. It was it was bad, right? There's there's no spinning that. It was a bad throw. But you know, when you're living out there and you're trying to make some of the throws that he makes, occasionally you're going to have a couple of foul balls, and that was certainly one of them. The question is, where do you go from here? Can can, can you get Cup involved? Can you get Puka back to where he was through the early part of the season? Can you get a lead to try to lean on that running game a little bit? Can the defense? get off the field because there wasn't too many positives in that game. And, you know, very different opponent coming up in Green Bay, a much more manageable opponent. But, again, the, the Rams, they, they don't have an advantage over too many teams in this league. So they might have a better record than Green Bay. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, a heavy, heavy favorite going into it, if at all. Yeah, and the underdogs of the moment, I think it was a two and a half. Last time yeah. I checked, it's probably higher now. Who knows? But yeah, you mentioned Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, and that was supposed to be how this team was going to stay in games, was through the air. You look at Cup, four catches on 21 yards, 10 targets. You look at Puka Nakua, three catches. So if I would have told you before the game that Cowboys secondary has had its issues this year at times with the injuries that they've sustained was going to hold those two to those final numbers there, you would have really been surprised by that outcome. So just not getting the production from your receivers, the yeah. play calling I felt was limited at times. You're not seeing very many deep shots. We've seen the explosive plays throughout this year. They've kind of relied on, especially in the first half. So yeah, from a receiver standpoint, just not really doing much. I mean, Tyler Higby's and signing that contract extension, he's been quiet. They gave him the catch that really should have been called back. So just not a lot there was very encouraging. Now, I do want to point out, though, I see a lot of people out there complaining about the illegal contact call in that first drive from the Dallas Cowboys on Quint Lake. And yes, by the letter of the law, it was the right call. And then you flip that where they don't make the call on Cooper Cup. Look, you lose 43 to 20. It's not the referee's fault. OK, I just don't want to hear with that one. The, the the illegal contact on Quentin Lake what was at the fourth play of the game. Yeah, I mean, oh, something like that. Stop. 
know, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just my personality. I don't know if it's the fact that I, for you know, a long time that I did compete in athletics and I just, it's never the referee's fault. Never. You know, like there, once in a blue moon, there's something so unbelievably egregious at the very end of a game. You could say we lost it right there. There's three hours worth of football. The five minutes hadn't been played in that game. You can't, it was a yes, bad call. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, f- figure it out. They, they, you lost by three touchdowns. They, they, this was not a one touchdown game. This is a team that is going to, you know, I, I get it. It's frustrating when you need everything to break your way. When something doesn't, it's it's incredibly difficult to deal with. But Rams did the last week. I, I'm willing to listen to some stuff along the way, but th- this had nothing to do. This had to do with one team played great. The other one played like, you know what? And that was the result. Yeah, there's no way you could frame it as, okay, the better team lost. I mean, I'm not trying to hear that at all. And yes, you're right. That most of these players in my experiences talking to any of these athletes, mainly in baseball, you would assume that they would be complaining about the umpires. They never do. They never blame on the umps because they know that usually the better team, you have so many opportunities throughout every single game to win a game. Usually the reality is the better team almost always wins. And then you account for coaching this and that kind of flip the scales a little bit. But yeah. Definitely not there. I, I, I want to go back to something you said a second ago, DMAC, c- talking about the play calling and all that stuff. And, you know, the shots down the field, I kind of understand where that is, w- why it's not there, just because there's no time, right? To, to throw the ball down the field, you got to have some time to let everybody get down the field. And the Rams don't have that luxury right now. But I do think it's interesting. And I think that Sean McVay clearly is a very innovative head coach offensively, but it does feel a little stale. It feels like we've seen a lot of the same stuff. Like when was the last time you saw the Rams do something? Say, wow, I haven't seen them do that before. It's been a long. That's why the Philly special on the goal line was like, oh, okay, there's there's a new one. I I'm with you that you know when your quarterback gets nicked up doing something like that, it doesn't feel good. But I would like to see a few plays where it's like, oh man, I haven't seen them break that one out for a while. It feels very very familiar. Oh, no. Trust me, Travis. In the moment, I was yelling Philly special. I was yelling L.A. special, thinking we were going to come back. I was excited. This is all hindsight, (laughs) knowing he was injured. Trust me. In the moment, I loved the call, and I was okay with it. But, yeah, you mentioned some of the stale offense. And, yeah, they've been limited. You see a lot of pistol. We talked about, the everyday listeners will know, last week we talked about how ineffective that empty set has been. You look at the pick six. You look at some of these plays. And, yeah, he's not being able to step into throws. That's another problem as well. But also – I'm starting to question LaFleur and if that was the move. Because we see guys like Zach Taylor and some of these other guys that had an impact on Sean McVay. We know McVay, he's the guy calling the plays that ultimately runs through him. But look at the run game yesterday, 24 rushes, 92 yards, a 3.8 average. Hendo, look, love the guy. He's great on the screen pass. But so far, 92 yards and a touch on 30 attempts at 2.6 average. Yesterday, three yards per Carry your Oregon duck, by the way, Royce Freeman, probably one of the only bright spots, him yeah. and Haversick's 44 yards on nine rushes, a 4.9 average, but not establishing the run. Offensive line didn't do a good job run blocking yesterday. It was just overall not a pretty game. And we got some more takeaways because we want to talk about one of the biggest reasons why this Rams defense continues to struggle and what truly is next for this franchise and are we going to look back and wonder about what they did to get that Super Bowl because I've heard some fans have some interesting takes on that too that's coming up next here on Locked on Rams all right so you're watching the game and you realize uh oh it's going to go a little longer than I thought I'm not going to get out of here in time or uh oh I forgot to order the food I forgot to get the groceries right why not take care of everything at the same time? Why root on your team with an empty stomach, right? 
Get on your DoorDash app and save the day, right? Save on football watch party favorites. Order from some of your more favorite local spots, right? I got a spot in my neighborhood called Bistro K that has unbelievable crab cakes, right? They're just some of my favorite things in the world. You can order those through DoorDash. They're going to bring them right to your house. And while you're there, get a few extra things. Order some groceries, too. Get a few things dropped off, and you're ready to go. You can do it the day before the game. And if you're getting... DoorDash is going to hook you up while the game is going on. You can stock up on your favorite apps, order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash, then get ready to watch the team in style and win. And you can get up to 50% off, up to a $10 value, when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download that DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKED23. Terms subject to change and terms apply. Again, that's 50% off when you use the code LOCKED23 for 50% off to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. And welcome back to Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Travis, we'll get right back into it. One player that has been very frustrating to watch all season. Kind of want to touch on Darian Kendrick. Because Darian Kendrick was barbecue chicken. Once again, allowed six catches on seven targets for 66 yards. And a touchdown. You saw Lamb just getting the going the other way on that rocker move for the touchdown. It's the penalties. I mean, he gets a deflection on one play, and he's acting like he made the game-winning stop, and then he gets a penalty on the next play. I mean, I just don't think he has the requisite skill set and speed to be an every-down starting cornerback in the NFL. I think one of the changes I want to see, I want to see Trey Thomas to get a chance. I want to see some more Duke Shelley because I'm not so sure what I'm seeing out of Darren Kendrick really makes a lot of sense moving forward. Yeah, D DK is one of those guys I think is a good one, bad one, which is a bad ratio as a defensive back. You're going to give up some plays. You're going to get a penalty here and there. You're going to give up a touchdown here and there, but it can't be one for one. It can't be one good one, one bad one, one good one, bad, bad one. And that's what it kind of feels like with him. You took the words right out of my mouth. I'd like to see number six out there a little bit more. I'd like to see him because, look, I, I know football players and coaches hate to say this. You know, until we're out of it, we're not out of it. They're kind of out of it. Right. So so let's let, I'm not saying you quit and you don't try, but what you've been doing is put three wins on the board in eight games. You got to win six of your next nine. If you're going to get in there doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. So let's do something different. Let's put some guys out there and see what it is, because if it's worse, OK, we know if it's better it's the best of both worlds. It's better in the sense that you got a better chance to win a game week to week, and it's better in the sense that you found a guy who's going to get some real NFL action and get you ready for not only the rest of this year but for the rest of next year as well. But I, I'm with you. I think the Darian Kendrick thing, we, we've seen it. It's, it's okay, I guess, but it's certainly not good enough. Yeah, first of all, I just want to say I love that quote from that you said about the insanity from that's from Doc Brown's dog, right? And Back to the Future. <laughs> love that guy. It's such right. a smart, intelligent dog yeah. right there. But Astro. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. My man Einstein over there. Yeah. Now, you look at really where this team is headed. And look, the reality is right now, bring my facts to the fight. Mathematically, like you said, they are still in an 18% chance to make the postseason, right? 15% chance to be a wild card team, 3% chance to win the division. If you do win your next three games and you're sitting at six and five, that goes up to close to 50%. That's a big if from what we've seen from this team, where they're at right now from an injury standpoint. I think you mentioned Trey Tomlinson and a reason to put him in there. 
I think that people need to understand out there what this team is about this season. Because yesterday, you know what it looked like? Travis looked like a team that had $75.3 million in dead cap. Looked like a team that traded Jalen Ramsey and didn't bring back Bobby Wagner, Lennon Floyd, and A. Sean Robinson. It looked like a team that had tons of rookie starters and who they've hit on a bunch of them, I will add, and a team that really is just bereft of the overall base-level talent to be a good team in the NFL. They have three ultra-talented guys but they're also probably on the back of their career, right? There's more yesterdays than tomorrow's in Aaron Donald's and Cooper Cuffs and Matthew Stafford's career. They're elite, but it's like an album and you have like three hit singles. There's a lot of filler tracks, a lot of skips. This roster has a lot of skips on it, right? So you can't expect this team to be more than what they truly are, which is a team that's rebuilding and looking towards next season. Whatever happened this year was going to be good. If they made the playoffs, it was going to be considered overachieving. But I think now we are having a long look in the mirror and accepting what this team truly is. Well, like you said, the three big names, right? You got Cup, Donald, and Stafford. Those are the three guys. Hey, we got Cup, Donald, and Stafford. We got a chance. Okay. What was not said was if Cup, Donald, and Stafford are at their very best versions of themselves, you got a chance. None of them are. None of them are. Right? Cooper Cup had his two worst games as a pro the last two weeks. It's the lowest production that he's had since his rookie years in game two and three. Right? It, that That's not him at his best. Matthew Stafford is clearly not at his best, whether it's physical or, or or something other than that. He's not at his best. And Aaron Donald had a pretty good game against the Cowboys. Yeah, he gave up 43 points. How good was it? You know what I mean? It's just it's it's this idea that, well, he got those three guys. Okay, but that you needed them to be tens out of tens. And right now they're giving you sixes and sevens. It's not, it's it's not even near enough. So now you're you're leading on a roster that is really depleted. You're leading on a roster that's in the midst of being developed. It's going to take some time. So this is what you get. Again, this, I, I coming into this season, and look, we, we can talk about this through the rest of the week, DMAC. I don't mean to go on too long of a monologue here, but we're a lot closer to saying, hey, what's going on down here than what's going on up here, right? And 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 it, very soon you're going to have to start thinking, okay. What did uh, what 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 is somebody what is Arizona doing? What is Chicago doing? And start thinking in terms of that as opposed to hey, how do we get to nine wins? Because three is a much 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 better number than seven, and you need to be very careful about winding up with seven wins because that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of my favorite things about even watching your show even before I started doing this is it's really just about the reality and the truth. I'd rather hear the truth about my team than some just idealistic thing that's just not a reality. Like, the, can this team still make the playoffs? Yes, it's possible. Is it probable? No. Are we still going to root for this team to win games every week until they're limited? Yes, we are, right? There's no doubt about that. I will say, too, I've seen people out there. The meltdown was real yesterday, man. I was at the message boards. I, the meltdown was real. I had people saying that they were questioning the Rams and how they got that Super Bowl and Super Bowl 56. I say to myself, go to any Rams fan, go to any NFL fan out there and say, would you trade two losing seasons for a Super Bowl in your own house where you're the first team to win on a 17 game season? I would do it every single day and twice on Sunday. To me, it's that Simpsons meme where Homer's sleeping in the bed soundly, but the Lombardi trophy is right there. I have no issue with it because they're trying to win big. They know that that's what they have to do to get market share in the city. This would have been a, a, a viable conversation had they lost to the Bengals, had the 49ers clipped them in the NFC Championship. Then we're talking about, hey, what exactly did you buy, right? So what happened. They won a Super Bowl two years ago. That's not ancient history. That's not when they were wearing leather helmets. That's not Pat Hayden. That's not Jim Everett. That's not even Kurt Warner. They did it with, with that quarterback, with that head coach in that stadium two years ago. 
It, it was 100% worth it. But again, it's like anything else, you know, unless you're Stan Kroenke and you can just go spend all the money you want every day for the rest of your life and never think twice about it, you take a really nice vacation. You go out to a couple of nice meals. You to, at some point, you gotta say, I got I to gotta chill out. I got to pay the bills. I got to get yeah. caught up again. They're getting caught up right now. And it was 100% worth it. Exactly. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I think, too, you have to point out that the city they're playing in is also aligned with that. If there were some middle sure. market team, it'd be like, okay, we want to win. We want to win 10, 11, 12 games. They realize the only way to do it in this town to see less 49ers fans and less Cowboys fans in their stadium is to win big for numerous seasons. So I have yep. no issue with how they handle it. We can talk about some of the draft misses that they had and maybe where some of these extensions the right deal. We'll have that for another episode, but I'm still okay with where this team's at. They have hit on a lot of these picks. It's going to be tough sledding and we'll wait to see what happens with Matthew Stafford. But that's that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Rams. My name is Doug McCann. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And as always, you can follow the People's Champ at Mr. Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house is Locked On Rams' house?